0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages, as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. Heaven and Hell. Is heaven just a place where we sing forever in the clouds? Is hell really that worse? While many of us believe we know where we're going, we actually know very little about where we're going. Join us as we wrestle common questions and misconceptions about both heaven and hell, as well as host a special Q&A where we'll answer your questions. Text HHQ to 803 881 8000 to submit a question for the final week of the series now join us as we discover more about what comes after life on earth
1: (laughs) all right everybody welcome to grace life so good to be worshiping with you guys if you would before we get started do me a favor put your hands together and help me welcome all those who are worshiping with us for the first time If you're in the room, if you're online, we're so glad to have you guys worshiping with us. Welcome. Hey, before we go any further, I want to make a special appeal to you guys right here in this room at the moment. Uh, We have been talking about our our holiday outreaches, and the one that is happening right at this moment is providing Thanksgiving dinner for those who would not have it otherwise. And some of you may not be aware, uh, today's the last day, maybe you're not aware of the deadline, uh, as well as I want to point out that normally when we do this, um, we don't have half of our Grace Life family still worshiping online that have not come into the building to be able to pick up uh, some of these bags and, and help provide dinner for some of these families. So as a result of that, uh, we're a little behind where we normally are at this point. So I'm just gonna tell you that up front and then see if we can come together, uh, particularly those of you in this room at this moment. If you are, first of all, not afraid to go grocery shopping, second of all, not a, uh, not unwilling to go knock on someone's door and, and give them a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you can wear gloves and mask everything you wanna to do to make you comfortable. But let's see if we can go bless some people. So as you're leaving the room today, pick up one of those Thanksgiving bags, uh, whatever is not picked up today, um, let's see. We're going to have to make Kent go shop for all of them or something, and we don't want that. So, everybody, good? Can we do this together? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I am missing some notes, and I think this is going to be easier. So I don't know who did not do their job, but is there anybody back there who can get my stuff for me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: My apologies, we went a little over in our worship experience in the heavenlies. Hello, (laughs)
1: earthlings. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. There you go.
0: The darkest night you can (laughs) look.
1: Well, you know, we've decided we have to try to make this as much fun as we can. If you're going to talk about hell, you got to laugh at something, right? Okay, so... Well, we are starting a new series today on Heaven and Hell. Uh, I think that's very obvious. And I want to go ahead and let you know the final part of this series will take place Thanksgiving weekend. And it is simply going to be Q&A. Any questions that you have that arise over the the time of the series. And so how can you get your questions to us? Thanks for asking. Simply text HHQ, which stands for Heaven, Hell Questions. Text HHQ to the number on the screen. And uh, then you uh, hopefully will get your questions answered. Uh, at least as many of them as we can. So feel free to do that. I would recommend you wait till I'm finished preaching, uh, because I might answer at least one of those questions and save you a little bit of time. But uh, as soon as the the message is over today, and any time throughout the week throughout the series, text in your question, and that's what we'll be doing in the final part. Uh, as we begin today, I wanna go ahead and recommend a book for you. I've done a lot of reading and research for this series. I wanna save you the trouble of doing this much. So I'm simply gonna recommend to you the best resource each week. Uh, this one is a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. If you take a look at it, you can see that it's quite large. And all it is doing is unpacking scriptures from the Bible about heaven. So this will tell you that we really do uh, have a pretty good idea. A lot of things about heaven. There's a lot we could know about heaven. And so if you uh, have more questions than I'll be able to cover in this series, which obviously I will not be able to cover all that today. I want to encourage you maybe go pick that up on your own. So uh, the reason for this series is because we uh, live in a world where there are people who will tell you there is no such thing as heaven. And there is no such place as hell. And uh, there are even believers who are not really encouraged to think about going to heaven. And uh, then there are non believers that are not really concerned about going to hell. And so as we get into this, I I just want to start with the words of Jesus. I think it'll really help frame our series for what we're doing because Jesus made it very clear there is an eternal life and there is an eternal punishment. Each of those take place in a specific location known as heaven and hell. So let me share with you the words of Jesus as we get started. It's out of Matthew 25. He's talking about his final return to earth. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The truth is, that is a difficult passage. That's not one that you share with a friend and say, will you come to church with me? It's not one of those that we like to even acknowledge as in the Bible. It's, it's pretty strong. And the truth is we like for the strong stuff that talks about eternal punishment to be in the Old Testament with the mean, angry God. We don't like for the nice, loving Jesus to be the one that shares that reality with us, but he did. And I think that that means we need to take it seriously. He's giving us a very special insight into our future, and I think he's given us a very strong warning that we need to be able to look forward to heaven and we need to be very concerned about the reality of hell, either for ourselves or for some of our friends. Because Jesus did say this. And in order for Jesus to be our savior, then he's gotta be perfect. And by being perfect, that means he doesn't misrepresent the truth. That means he doesn't give us the idea that something is real when it's not. It also means he doesn't flat out lie. And so we have to understand, if Jesus said this, we do need to take that seriously. So, well, uh, listen, I grew up going to church talking about heaven. I'm, I'm imagining some of you did as well. And uh, when I grew up going to church and they would talk about heaven, it sounded like it was going to just be a lot like a church service that never ended. Anybody ever had that kind of idea, you know? We're, and by the way, the church that I grew up going to was not always exciting. So the idea that we're going to do that forever was not really exciting. But I had a very clear image, even as a kid, as you go to church every week and the pastor would talk about going to heaven or something, I had just this very clear mental image I'm going to share with you. And uh, it was that I showed up in heaven when I died, right? And uh, I don't know exactly how old I am, but I do know that it's the 21st century, at least at this point. And so I had this image that I, I show up in heaven, and I'd never turned around in this little image of mine, so I don't know if like I, I rode an elevator or got dropped off by an angel. I don't know how I got here, but I just have this image of showing up at what I think is kind of the, the entrance, kind of the, the back right? And in front of me, I look and I just see this massive sea of people, which by the way is good news, right? There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. And all of these people are facing the stage. The stage is up there, right? Because it's a never-ending church service. And uh, God is on the throne and everybody is out here in this big crowd, kind of like a big concert, and they're all singing to God that direction. And the problem in this image that I had of, of my future is that because I'm going to show up in the 21st century, millennia of people are going to beat me there. And so I imagine myself at the back of this massive crowd. And if you don't know, from the way I look on stage, it's amazing every time I meet somebody in the hall out there, they're like, wow, you're not as tall as I thought you were. (laughs) So in reality, I am 5'5", and I imagine that I get to heaven right after somebody who is 6'2". And I spend eternity in a massive sea of people staring at the back of the shoulder blades of someone much taller than me, like (laughs) Justin over there. Justin, don't beat me to heaven, buddy, please. Just anyway. You know, that's just kind of how I imagine things going down. It's a true, sad story, but that's exactly what I thought. So look, I I think many of us have a messed up idea of heaven, and so what I want to do in this series is kind of set some things straight uh, first of all, I'm gonna ask you a question and you actually have to participate so get your hand ready uh, if you want to be involved in this or not. Here you go. Here's the question. How many of us do want to go to heaven? How many want to go to heaven? There you go. You can put your hands down now and uh, fortunately I did not see any hands staying down. But heres here, I want you to imagine at this point an angel shows up And this one's a real angel, not Greg dressed as one, right? You know, a real angel shows up right now and says, hey, I just saw you raised your hand. Good news, I'm gonna fulfill your request. Tomorrow morning, you are going to heaven. A lot of us would be a little less than excited about that. You know, because we would be thinking other things that we've got planned. Like maybe you've got this 25-year bucket list vacation plan to go to Bora Bora. You know, you're going to be in one of those huts over the blue water. You can even look through the floor of your room and see the fishies and everything. You're like, seriously? Can, can we like what, like two weeks, Mr. Angel? Can Matter of fact, you can just take the plane down on the return trip. It's all good with me. Just let me have my two weeks in Bora Bora, right? And I know some of you, if the angel said, well, you're going tomorrow, you'd be like, but I'm getting married in three months. Can we wait like three months? Can we wait till after the wedding? Clearly what the bride says, the groom says, can we wait till after the wedding night? <laughs> just being honest, guys, don't dream of the wedding. <laughs> just Just saying. <laughs> Here's the problem. When we get this idea that we're going to go to heaven and like sing forever, you know, we think, okay, heaven's supposed to be good, but only because hell is bad, so good is better than bad. Singing better than fire. But we're not really looking forward to it, which is why we're kind of like, can we wait? An angel shows up, says, you're going to heaven, and we go, well, can we just wait a little while? Why do we want to wait? Because we think heaven is not going to be that much fun, we think we're going to get there and there's going to be a sign over the gates, "Welcome to heaven, step above hell." You know, singing beats fire. All right, so look, uh, what I want to do today is see if I can get us a little more excited about going to heaven and maybe not asking the angel to wait. And in order to do so, here's the three things we're going to do today. I'm going to tell you first of all what heaven is not, then I'm going to tell you what heaven is. And based on those two, we're going to finish by saying what heaven means to us now. So let me begin with what heaven is not. The first thing heaven is not is a never-ending church service, right? We get this idea that heaven is going to be like this never-ending church service because we know that Scripture says we will worship Him forever. The problem is how we define worship. We think that it's this singing of kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya, you know, and it's like, okay, here we go. Verse 7,422, one million years ago. Kumbaya, you know, modulate everything. I mean, No, listen, worship is everything we do in our life to the glory of God, everything. When you take a walk through nature and you see a gorgeous bird, you go, God, look how creative you are. When you see a sunrise, you go, God, look at how amazing you are. That's worship. And you didn't have to sing, for those of you who don't like it. To, you know if you're a great cook and you make this amazing meal and you say god thank you for the spices that you put on earth thank you for taste buds and having flavor some of you had covid this year and you lost your sense of taste and smell and you went praise god thank you god i can taste again you're an amazing god look the food has flavor like everything is worship if you're an artist and you you paint a picture or draw something a musician and you sing a song or play something Whatever it is you do, if you're a family sitting around a dinner table, and as you sit around the table, you you look at each other and say, Look how blessed we are to have each other. Look at the goodness of God in our lives. That is worship. We simply misunderstand the idea of worshiping God forever. Second thing, heaven is not, it is not yet as it will be. See, the Bible tells us that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. When Jesus comes back and we we have the end of this and the beginning of of that eternity, we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. What that means is right now we live on an earth that exists presently, and if we died today as believers, we would go to the heaven that exists presently, but that is going to be changed. They're going to be replaced or renewed or remodeled, and the theologians debate which is which, and we're not going to get into is it going to be the world's best remodel or is it going to be a total replacement? We'll find out when we get there, but what we do know is that the heavens and the earth as they are now will be new. What we have now is not what we will have then. The third thing heaven is not is it is not a spiritual world for disembodied spirits. One of the main reasons that we don't like the idea of going to heaven is because we think we'll be ghosts floating on clouds playing harps. That's just somehow the the image that kind of comes to our mind. And well, look, although it would be cool, come on, wouldn't it be cool to float on a cloud at least for a few moments, right? Uh, But the truth is that's going to get Pretty old, pretty fast, and I don't like harp music anyway, so I definitely don't want to become a harpist for the all of eternity. It, we have this thought that that's the way it's going to be, but the truth is we're created as natural beings, and that's why we don't look forward to floating on a cloud playing a harp because everything that we define as fun is natural. Everything that we, we travel, we see the world, we go for a hike, we, we swim in the ocean, we eat food, we talk to people, everything that we know of as fun is natural. So, after telling you three things that heaven is not and not really giving you a whole lot of clarification, I bet I've stirred up a whole lot of questions. So let's move to what heaven is and see if we can bring some sort of answers to what you may be thinking. Let's start with this one, that heaven is going to be made new. I'm going to share with you a passage out of Revelation today. There are many scriptures that we could share about heaven Uh, I've chosen this one because it is a picture into heaven given to the Apostle John when he was on the island of Patmos and was told to go and record this so that people like you and I could have any idea of what was happening in the spiritual realm as well as what the future would be like in heaven. And so here's the first thing he says in chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And if if you go all the way back to like an Old Testament prophet as far back as Isaiah, and and then you can go into the New Testament and find someone like the apostle Peter, and as we just read, the apostle John, they all confirm that it's God's plan to do a new heaven and a new earth. And if you say, well, wait a minute, why would that be? Well, think about just how corrupt this world currently is, the brokenness of this world, and and the, the things that we've destroyed in this, this earth, and, you know, the, the things that have been broken, and God wants to fix all of that. And if you say, well, why the heavens? Well, even the heavens were where Satan rebelled against God, rose up against his glory, and a third of the angels went with it. I mean, when you think about the corruption in the current heavens and the earth, and so imagine, uh, the best picture I can give you is imagine that a, a house catches fire and I can, I'm going to give you this analogy because it was real for me. When I was in high school, our house burned, and so I have a very vivid picture of what this is like. Our our kitchen actually was where the fire was and and burned down completely, Uh, but the rest of the house just filled with smoke, and so we had white walls that were no longer white. They were a really dark gray or black. They were covered in soot and, and smoke, and the carpet was covered in black, and soot and smoke and everything and there was a smell all throughout the house that you couldn't get out of matter of fact there was a smell outside the house it was so strong if anybody's ever been around something like this it's burned down and so imagine if we had gone in and rebuilt our kitchen and made the kitchen new and left the rest of the house and then we had gone and bought a brand new couch and we put it in the living room so we we buy this pretty white couch and we put it in the living room where you've got these black soot walls and black soot carpet everything you touch now suddenly you've got to go and wash your hands what what is that couch going to be like after a period of time it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be black it's gonna smell like everything else and so our understanding of the new heaven and a new earth is god is removing all of the corruption every stain that sin and brokenness has put upon this world, either in the heavens and the earth, will be removed, and we will have a new heaven and a new earth. The second thing that heaven is, it is where God will dwell with his people. Just let that sink in before we finish the sentence. It is where God will dwell with his people, free from sin and death and sickness and the list could go on, and unrighteousness and all of this forever. Here's what John saw. He said, I, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. When we think about this and we read this, we say, Amen. I mean, anybody excited about the day that there is nothing to be sad over? <clears throat> that there's no tears to shed. There's no emotional pain. There's no physical pain. There's no sickness. No one dies. I mean, we're, we're all looking forward to this day. It's the very existence we dream of. It's the very one that God intended for us in the beginning. And here's the good news. It's the very existence God intends for us in the end. That's what God wants for us. And, and As we think about that, there are people, though, that can get a little upset, matter of fact, even make an accusation against the the character of God, and say, well, why aren't you doing it? A good God would, would take away all of this pain right now. We've all probably heard somebody say that. Some of us have probably said those words right now. Why doesn't God just go ahead and do it right now? He's just being mean to leave us here in this situation if we know he can do this very thing. Well, the reason is very simple. God wants every one of his children with him in that new heaven, new earth for eternity. And the problem is when he takes away all pain and sickness and death, it is when the new heaven and a new earth is created. It is when Jesus has returned. And anyone who does not call on Jesus as king at that moment never will. And so what you and I can do to kind of change our perspective a little bit is when you wake up one day and you have a really, really bad day, when you are going through an emotional pain that you wish never happened, when you are facing physical suffering that doctors say won't leave you as long as you're on this earth, when, when someone you know has left this earth and they've gone on to the next world and you're going to be sad for the next few decades, remind yourself that there are people this day that will enter the kingdom of heaven and have eternity. And all we have to do is suffer a little bit today to see more and more people go to heaven. And if I wake up tomorrow and that physical pain is still there, I can say all I have to do is have a little back pain today to see many more spend eternity in heaven. And if on the next day you wake up and someone has shared with you bad news and your heart is a little sad, you can say, I only have to be a little sad today so that many more can go to heaven. If we can change our perspective, we can tolerate the brokenness of this world because the brokenness of this world will go away. But so will the opportunity to make Jesus king. Now, before we go on, I wanna highlight the part of this that says God will dwell with his people. There's a, a famous pastor and author in one of his books, he, he asked the question, so if you could get to heaven <clears throat> and there's no more pain and, and there's no more sickness and there's no more death, no one's sad, no one's crying, everything is perfect, And it's just as you wanted and you're walking down the street you see your favorite people and you're you've got perfect relationships with them you're walking on the streets of gold which we'll read about in a minute and but you don't have god would that be enough for you when most of us talk about heaven we don't talk about being with god We talk about the no sickness and the no pain and the perfect body and all of these sorts of things and floating on a cloud and whatever your imagination has led you to think you're going to get to do, like maybe I'll get to be 6'2 in heaven, who knows, probably not, but that's okay. We have these other ideas and rarely do we just stop and think, even if you removed all of that, the fact that I get to walk and talk with God. Never again will I have to wonder, God, do you hear me? I don't, you don't seem to be answering my prayers. God, are you even there? We won't have to think that way anymore. Third thing about heaven. It's an actual physical place or at least has some physicality to it. Let me share some of these things with you out of Revelation 21, some of the things that were shown to John and then I'll explain that because I know that's a mind-blowing statement. It says, Then the angel showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the twelve gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. Says the city lies four square, meaning its length is the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and its width and its height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits, by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. You know why that part is so important? To let us know that our understanding here on earth correlates, that what the angel is doing is not just a picture, but the way the angel measures is we can get something out of that measurement and we can know something about our future. And if the human measurement, which is physical, is the same as an angel's, then there must be an overlap. It says the wall was built of jasper, which we find on earth, while the city was pure gold, which we find on earth, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of city were adorned with every kind of jewel. It goes through a long list, which we're going to skip. And it says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. Let me tell you a little something about this holy city of Jerusalem, where God dwells, and it's going to come down from heaven and be placed upon the new earth and the new heavens and the new earth. Those measurements turn out to be 1,400 miles. If you stand at the corner of the city and you look that direction, 1,400 miles till you get to the other end of it. And if you stand at this corner and you look this direction, it is 1,400 miles till you get to the other end of it. That means that the ground floor of the holy city of Jerusalem is 2 million square miles, just, just on the ground floor. Except we also know it told us 1,400 miles high means it's huge and it exists upon the new earth. Now, this is where it really gets baffling that the idea of heaven is not just spiritual. Remember we said a minute ago, heaven is not just a spiritual world for disembodied spirits, ghosts floating around, right? Why do we have the idea that heaven has to be a spiritual world and we have to be some form of ghost? Well, honestly, our ideas come much less from Scripture than we think. Our ideas come from things like Michelangelo and the painting of the Sistine Chapel. And we we just think, you know, from all of the things that were painted 500 years ago, that somehow uh, we're all going to have wings, we're going to look like little babies, and and we're we're just going to kind of float around with a harp in our hands. If that's not where we get our ideas from, we get our ideas from cartoons. Cartoons are really good at showing us about heaven and hell, Tom and Jerry being one of the best of them. Anybody grew up on Tom and Jerry besides me, right? And so if you've never seen it, you've got Jerry the mouse and you've got Tom the cat and, and Jerry usually outsmarts the cat. And uh, so what happens is he may drop something off the roof of the house onto the head of uh, Tom the cat. And so now suddenly Tom the cat is dead. Now it's a cartoon, so it's not too gory. So you see like this heavy thing with like the rest of the cat body sticking out from under it. And then we see Tom, Cat's spirit start floating up. And then he grows wings and he even gets a harp. And so our ideas of what heaven is like doesn't really come from the Bible. On top of that, there is a heresy that's been in existence for millennia. Uh, Plato was one of the first people to really promote the idea. It became a strong religious belief at the time Jesus was on the earth. And Funny enough, it's still very famous today, just without a name, and people don't realize they believe it. But the idea was this, the material world is bad, the spiritual world is good. Everything material is bad, and there is no hope for redemption, all you can do is tolerate it, but the spirit world is perfect and good. What we need to do is get out of the bad material and into the good spiritual. The religious belief took it as far as to say, since the material world is so bad and your flesh is material, your body is material, you can do anything you want with your body. Doesn't matter. Can't redeem it anyway. And then all you got to do is go pray in the spiritual and make up for what you did bad in the body. Like I said, it still exists today, just people don't put a name on it anymore, right? So we have this idea that somehow for God to redeem us To have this perfect future, we have to get away from the imperfect, corrupt material and into the perfect spiritual. But let's just stop for a moment and think about how God made us, the world that God made us in. Matter of fact, the best way for us to understand what the future is like, of course, is to look at Scripture, but also to look at the Scripture of how we began. Because the beginning, let me remind you, God made the heavens and the earth. And before sin, when there was the heavens and the earth, when mankind had a human natural physical body upon the earth, God looked and said, it is good. God created us. Let's not forget that God created you and me for a physical existence. We, we get caught up in the idea that somehow we, we've got to disconnect from our body to be with God, which... At the moment, yes, that's how that works. But new heavens, new earth, when everything comes back together, remember that God, who is spirit, walked in the garden, which was natural, with humans who had physical bodies. And when he cast them out of the garden, he placed an angel, which is spirit, to guard a gate to a physical place. You know what that means? What that means is there was a time in history when the heavens and the earth had a conjoined reality. Now, none of us can go back to that time, and other than reading Scripture, we've got questions about it, but it is obvious that the heavens and the earth overlapped in such a way that there was a conjoined existence with how that functioned. And since the sin has come into the world and there's the fall, what we experience is either the separation of those two or merely our inability to go between But what we see in the new heavens and the new earth, according to Scripture, is we're going to have a returning of that reality, because God is spirit. And this perfect holy city, Jerusalem, that is going to come down, is going to be placed upon a new earth. And Scripture says that we will go to and from, we will go into the city and we will go out of the city. Well, where are you going to go out to? But to walk upon the earth, which is physical, right? Remember that when God made Adam, he did not make Adam as a personality. He did not make Adam as a soul and send him floating into the world. He made a body, and then he breathed life into the body. The body actually existed first. We are made for a physical existence. When we get to heaven on the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to swim in waters. We're going to go into the city. We're going to commune with God. We're going to be a part of heavenly feast, which, by the way, ghosts floating on clouds don't eat even in heaven. There's there's no need for food, right? We're going to have resurrected, glorified bodies like Jesus had. And when Jesus had a glorified, resurrected body after he was raised from the dead, he caught fish. He started a fire. That's really hard to do as a ghost. I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty sure that'd be tough to do. He showed his body to his disciples and said, touch it, because it could be touched, right? And so we're told that we're going to have those same kind of bodies, that we also will have a resurrected body. I've always had a question up until I actually studied this well enough to preach it, and I guess it started even as a kid. When you hear God's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, I get, okay, new heavens, cool. Why? A new earth after all we're all going to heaven we're going to heaven well non-believers don't go to heaven but they sure don't get to go vacationing at the beach either so who needs the earth why do a new earth you made earth for humans and you dwelt on the earth with those humans so why would we make a new earth if everybody's going to be floating on a cloud in a spiritual place unless what we are actually going to have in the future is more of what we had in the beginning, which is a conjoined reality of two realms, the physical and the spiritual, the heavens and the earth. And we exist between them and both of them. Kind of mind-blowing. Boy, who's like, wow, I didn't ever think about that. But that's what the Bible shows us. So the real question now, what does heaven mean to us Today? based on what we just learned, what does heaven mean to us today? Well, the first thing is that it changes our anticipation of it. Remember, we were saying, no, 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 wait till after the wedding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can can you let me have my Bora Bora vacation? When you realize you're not just going to be a ghost floating on a cloud, but that you're going to actually have a perfect body that doesn't have pain anymore, that is not sick anymore, you, you can't drown at Bora Bora. You, you can't have any bad experience. You don't have to sit in the middle seat this restricted on an airplane all the way to Bora Bora. You don't have to do that and yet you still get to see the beauty and the nature of the world. When you realize that as good as you think your honeymoon is gonna be in fellowship with this other human, but when you realize that instead you are going to have perfect fellowship with every human and with God himself. When you realize nothing is broken, when you realize everything is better than we've ever dreamed of, you're going to want to go. And you're going to want to go really, really soon. And when an angel shows up and says, hey, you're going tomorrow, you're going to say, well, you know, I was going to Bora Bora, but thank God, because it's going to be so much better there, right? It changes our anticipation of it. The truth is, like when we started this this message today, so many of us were like, yeah, I want to go, just not real soon. But if we understand how great it's going to be, it's good, and we want to get there quicker. Number two, it changes our preparation for it. All throughout Scripture, it talks about rewards in heaven. It talks about each of us will be given a crown. Our crowns will be different, different jewels in our crowns, and however that will transpire. And the rewards of heaven and the crown that we will receive has everything to do with how we live life On this earth right now, Jesus spoke to one of the touchiest subjects for all of us in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, Look, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a subject we don't like to talk about because, again, we like physical things. We like natural things. We're naturally materialistic because of that, because material things make our lives comfortable, and we get material things like new cars and bigger TVs and vacations with money. We we like money, and we like to use it on our life here and now. But Jesus just explained that there's a choice Of investing in the future or investing in now by how we do some of this and it is more than just money it's how we serve it's how we treat others it's how we love it's how we represent him the bible tells us there are many things that are going to play into our rewards in heaven and the crown that we'll have in heaven now here's one more piece of good news about when we get to heaven is that uh, we're going to be like whole And we're going, our souls also are going to be whole. What that means is we're going to be able to be joyful over things that we would have been upset about on earth. So imagine this, like when we get to heaven and I find out that Kent has more treasure than me and his crown is bigger than mine, you know, the good news is I won't be jealous. I won't be upset about that. I won't be selfish because all of that is part of our brokenness. What I'll be able to do in heaven is what I should have been able to do my entire life on earth, but we can't because we're broken. And that is I would be able to celebrate and go, canan't, look at what you have, man. I'm so excited for you. We'll be able to celebrate the goodness of God in his life. Okay, but if everybody will, just for a moment, let's imagine that's not the reality. That's the reality, but let's just imagine something with me. Imagine that we get to heaven that we believe is going to be perfect. And we get there, we find out it's not fair which by the way, is one of our misunderstandings that fair is the same as equitable and that's the same as perfect because there are many things in life that are not fair and uh, also will not be fair in heaven, obviously, as you see. So we're gonna get to heaven and go, "Uh, wait a minute, God, Um, Kent's treasure is bigger. His crown is bigger. And I don't think that's fair because like, Dude, I was your lead man down there. Like, they called me lead pastor. He was associate pastor. Like, my crown should be bigger. What exactly is going on here? Come on, like, the good news, that won't happen. But just imagine, as foolish as that is, that that God played along. (laughs) Well, Jimmy, let me tell you, see, he invested in the kingdom. You invested in you. He did everything he could to see people come here. You did everything you could to get a better vacation. He spent his money on me. You spent your money on you. He gave to me and my purpose. You gave to your comfort fund. Do y'all understand? And look, Jesus said it. I know none of us want to talk about it, but here's the reality that we can't miss. This life and only this life is where we determine the location of our eternity. When this life is over, If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, your location is determined. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, your location is determined. That is done by faith. But also, in this life, and only in this life, do we also determine some things about the quality of our eternal existence. Sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Maybe it's because pastors like me are very concerned with people going to heaven, and so what you hear from pastors like me, week after week after week, is Jesus has died for you. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. Make Jesus your king. You'll hear that every single week here. As a result of that, what you don't hear every single week is, but how you live your life does affect your treasure, your crown, and however that plays out, we, we don't really know. But we will not all have the exact same reward in heaven. How we live our lives, our obedience to God, our generosity, it matters. And when you realize, like, man, I, I, I can take all this money, I can buy the newest car, the nicest stuff, the best vacations, and it's going to last me for like 90 years, and then it's gone. That's like buying something you're going to wear nine times and give to Goodwill. When instead you could put it into something that's going to last 90 million years plus another 90 million, plus, you know, there's a reason it's called eternity. That's like buying something that never goes to Goodwill. We've just got to reframe that existence in the way that we think about those things. Third thing that heaven changes it changes our motivation to see others go there. I mean, you get a whole lot more excited when you're not going to be a ghost with a harp. I'm going to read a quote from Randy Alcorn's book here because he says it better than I could. He says, Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He need only convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. If We believe that lie. We'll be robbed of our joy and anticipation. We'll set our minds on this life and not the next. Hitting home. And we won't be motivated to share our faith. Why should we share the good news that people can spend eternity in a boring, ghostly place that even we're not looking forward to? He also tells a story, and I'm gonna close with this. He tells a story of a lady named Florence Chadwick. She was the first woman to swim across the English Channel. And in 1952, she decided that she would swim from Catalina Island off the California coast to the coast of California. And the day that she chose to do this and set out to do it, it was an extraordinarily foggy day. So as she got into the water and began swimming, there were boats stationed along the path to make sure that she stayed the course, as well as if there was any kind of problem to be able to pull her out of the water. After 15 hours of straight swimming, she was exhausted. Mentally, physically, just couldn't go any further. Her mom was in the boat and kept shouting, you you can do it, you can make it, come on, you're almost there, keep going, you're almost there, you can do it, you can make it. But come on y'all, our mamas love us and lie to us, don't they? Maybe somebody else was saying it, but nope, her mama was the one saying it. So. She gave up, they pulled her into the boat. She found out her mama was right. She could see the coast only a half mile away. After 15 hours, 21 and a half or so miles, she missed out. The next day in the press conference, they asked her what happened and she said, all I could see was the fog. Pretty sure if it hadn't been for the fog, I could have seen the coast. And I'd have made it. The reason that we're doing this is because I want to take the fog away for some of you. I want you to be able to look at where you're headed and realize you are about a half mile from somewhere you do not want to spend the rest of your life. Eternally speaking. On the other hand, I want some of us to be able to look and realize we're only about a half mile from a glorious future. And I'm not going to let a bad day, I'm not going to let a decision by God that I didn't like destroy my faith and keep me from getting there and taking as many people with me as possible. I want to make sure you do not let the fog of this life keep you from the glory of the next. So I hope pulling back the curtain a little bit on heaven this week and uh, pulling back the curtain on hell a whole lot next week help give us some clarity as where we're headed and how important that really is so i'm going to close by telling you just one last thing that heaven is not heaven is not our default destination we think it is we talk like it is non-believers talk like it is doesn't matter where you are anywhere in the world doesn't have to be in a church tell somebody that somebody close to you died. You know what they're going to say to you? Well, that's okay. They're in a better place now. We automatically assume every human goes to a better place now. It's not true. According to the Bible, all, every human, ascend and fallen short of the glory of God. What that means is that every single one of us, by ourselves, our default is to be in the group on Jesus' left. We're in the ones that he says, you're going to the place prepared for the devil and his angels. And the way that you get from one group to the other is by recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Recognizing you deserve to be in that group, but when he died in your place, when he shed his blood, his blood paid for your sins, allowing you to be out of that group and into the group on his right. But we have to actually interact with that truth. I can stand here and say it all day long, but you have to be someone who says, I believe Jesus died for me to move me from that group to that one. That's what's called faith. Faith, the blood of Jesus pays for your sins. Faith, that he rose from the dead because otherwise he can't do anything that we're talking about. You won't be raised from the dead and who cares about heaven? It's faith. He died for you, he forgave you, and he will raise you from the dead. And if you've never made that exchange, I wanna help you do that right now. So whether you are at home, in a living room, seated in this room right now, would you all join me in prayer? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it head over to gracelife.church slash resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.